What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese, the bye week edition. The bye weeks just ended, and the Packers are back in the building getting ready for their Week 14 matchup against the Bears on Sunday night. Since it's the bye week, we're going to have a little bit of a different episode for you today. It's really just going to be a little more laid back. going to be talking some Packer, dress where they currently sit going into Week 14 give out the weekly cheese by week awards. Talk about the young guys on the roster and how the rookies have fared up until this point. We got a whole pl- show planned out for the bye week. You're not going to want to miss it. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the weekly cheese. Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Super Bowl. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. I'm your host, Joe Ivan, here with me, as always, in the studio is Chris. What's going on, Cheeseheads? Chris, what's going on? How are you? Joe, I'm feeling good. I'm a little bit bored on the bye week. Nothing much to watch. It's not Packer. It's not me. Hey, you know I feel the exact same way. I know you're just doing that in jest, but you know for me, it's the exact, it's, that's the situation, and I was slightly bored this bye week, but let me tell you, I felt good knowing that the boys were off and enjoying themselves. If it was like when a bye week lands early in the year, like last year, I believe it was week seven, uh, I'm very bored during the bye week, and I don't have any sense of joy knowing that the boys are at home resting. Like, But after... 13 weeks and it was the well season that needed. the Packers have had up until this point. I couldn't be happier for those guys. They deserve their rest. Hopefully the injury situation gets a little better as time moves on here after the bye week. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but you do bring up that there was a, a void in entertainment to watch this weekend with the Packers being off. And I couldn't agree more. But with that being said, it was an exciting weekend of college football. Um, and you and I were together on Saturday. We're watching the games, <laughs> and just one thing I want to bring up because we had we got such a kick out of it. It it snapped <laughs> our heads to the TV it immediately. Really it was probably the most attention I paid to the football game, to be honest. And uh, that is the halftime performance, I guess you could call it. Uh, the game that was the, held the at halftime. slotted entertainment for halftime. Yeah. Uh, for which game was it again? Was I it believe it was the Georgia the, Alabama game. I don't know if it was that one or the Oklahoma State one. I think it was the Oklahoma no, State game. No, I think game. it was Alabama Georgia. It must be because it was of the, Alabama the prize. Georgia. And at halftime, I'm sure many of you out there saw it, but there was a one hundred thousand dollar competition going on uh, at on the field between two uh, high school seniors, I suppose. Or probably college. Because no, yeah, remember that kid, the winner. Well. Yeah, there there must have been high school seniors going into college because it was a hundred thousand dollar Dr Pepper challenge, throwing a football into a, a hole basically from like about five and, seven yards. And they had a, a an eighteen year old girl and an eighteen year old boy, high school seniors out there competing against one another, and the the boy won. He won by a, a decent margin, I believe, four to five footballs thrown in the hole. It, it really wasn't close except for the early stages of the the matchup. But it, he quickly got out to a lead and never let, never let his foot off the gas. Yeah, and, ever. And we didn't know what they were playing for. We caught, like, right as they started throwing the ball, so we were really tuned into the matchup. And this guy celebrated the victory like he just won the Stanley Cup or something. Like, he... he he was but he ran up and like jumped on the boards. Basically, he was he yeah, was like, frozen right at the uh, right <laughs> as he won. He, he was frozen and he realized he won and then he jumped. Yeah, he had such an yeah. intense celebration. I believe we have a photo of his huge grin that I'll throw up here. Uh, but long story short, the the guy won one hundred thousand dollars and he was going to use it to pay for his education at Duke University. Duke University. And if you ask me, I couldn't think of a w- bigger waste of one hundred thousand. First of all, um, 
the the, the competition, like the the game itself, was pretty simple and not not worthy of a hundred thousand dollar prize pool, if you ask me. Um, and, and two, it should have been for charity. It didn't, really made no sense that this <laughs> this guy. <laughs> laid a beat down on some girl in a football throwing contest and won a hundred thousand dollars i mean what does anyone else yeah and i mean at, in the beginning he was missing she we wanted her to win oh, we were cheering her so on badly. And, and she was up probably five to nothing and then he just started stroking and didn't miss yeah. one ball and probably won i don't know yeah, 14 but even to if seven she beat him in a football throwing contest a hundred thousand dollars is excessive i believe I guess, and but there's a better use for that hundred thousand well, dollars. TikTok on TikTok, Dr. Pepper now is having all these people um like hold these signs in public, and they have different people walk up, and there's a sign, and it's like call this person on Facetime and tell them you want twenty grand, and they're handing it out to like Dr. I don't know Pepper dozens of people. A, Dr. Pepper has this bankroll, I guess. People were oh. stashing Dr. P when oh, I hope someone's the Omnicron into this was coming back around. Supply of cash by Dr. Pepper, but what I will say about it is. It's, it would be one thing if they offered $100,000 of tuition to someone who was in desperate need of tuition money, but I don't think anyone in desperate need of tuition money is already enrolled at Duke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the hell's going on here? Who? How did he get on the field? That, it, that university probably needs the least. I mean? yeah. yeah, it's like, gee, like I'm, it's cool to give out tuition money, but... If someone's already planning to go to Duke, I don't think this hundred thousand have somebody from the local <laughs> indie community college yeah. out and pay for them yeah, to go from to the a inner city. Yeah, someone from LeBron's High Promise School, you know, like like someone who's uh, comes from a disadvantaged standpoint and not already enrolled at Duke. Not somebody who paid their way to Lucas Oil Stadium to watch the SEC <laughs> yeah. championship yes. game. Yes, yeah, someone who made his way onto the field at Lucas Oil Stadium. It was just <laughs> hilarious to me and. The way he celebrated was the icing. It was the celebration that really sparked our conversation Mm -hmm. about the whole. If he would have just accepted it gracefully (laughs) and walked off the field, yeah, or he probably wouldn't have cried and like (laughs) his like single mother came out of the tunnel and consoled. Like you know what I mean? Like they made a moment out, but it just seemed like a a a future frat guy, a free ride to celebrating, laying down a beatdown on some girl in a football throwing contest against his sorority sister. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. made no sense, dude. And I'm j- obviously we're just joking around here for the most part. Good for him and all that, but uh, it was yeah. just a reaction that was that was our was weekend funny. entertainment while the Packers were yeah the halftime show, not the game. Yeah, the <laughs> halftime show, not the game. And one more note from the game, uh, <laughs> I no, on Georgia, there was a big uh, number ninety. I believe his name is Miles Davis. Miles Davis. I love that guy. Ninety nine, number ninety nine. I I loved the, seeing him play. I thought he was dominant up there. Chris kept peppering me because I kept saying, "Man, it'd be nice if number ninety nine was suiting up for the pack one day." And Chris was peppering me, telling me the guy was out of gas. Yeah, well, if you want a future Packer on the squad, I'm of course going to pay a closer eye to him. And my observation, it just not that he was weak. He was a six five, three hundred and fifty pound guy. He was humongous. Guy. I could just tell that. His lack of stamina was causing a little bit of weakness down there on the defensive line. So I just kept mentioning, Joe, he seems like he's a little out of gas. Joe, he seems but like he's a little out of gas. We already acknowledged- and it was like the first or second quarter of the game. Yeah, but let me just say this. and c- Considering we already acknowledged that we watched the Dr. Pepper $100,000 contest more closely than we did the, the SEC championship game, uh, we only caught a few plays here or there, so you might have seen plays where number 99 looked a little gas, but they must have came after the electrifying plays I saw him make where he was shedding blockers and planting halfbacks into the turf. So, Listen, I, I, all I'm saying <laughs> is maybe I didn't watch enough, but I watched enough to then look back at the TV and see a segmented part of the broadcast where whoever, maybe Jim Nance, whoever was announcing this game, was mentioning that he looked like he was out of gas, and well, he would I, have to up his stamina to be more be, effective at the higher he was level. out of gas due to the electrifying sheds he was performing. I'm unsure about that. I think there's other guys <laughs> there making is, electrifying there is, sheds. There is, and I've looked at some early mocks, and it doesn't look like Davis has been rumored to be picked <laughs> up by the Packers. That's unfortunate. So I'm sorry is, to kill your I, dreams like that. I'll but. say this. I'm a fan of that guy. He was humongous, and you know I'm a sucker for the nose tackle yeah. position. So let's move on. Speaking of nose, nose tackles, tackles, this guy. Bringing up nose tackles, uh, I am proud to bring to your attention, Chris, that I guess 
in the most mild way imaginable, justice has been served, and Aaron Donald has been fined for his actions against Lucas Patrick. Um, obviously, against the Rams right before the bye, the Packers dominated Aaron Donald. The offensive line came ready to play, and they, for the second consecutive game against the Rams, dominated Aaron Donald into a emotional frenzy, resulting in an act of violence against one of uh, our beloved offensive linemen. Last year, after the divisional round game, Aaron Donald was fined $10,000 for grabbing the face mask of Elton Jenkins, um, which was an egregious play at the time, and Again, I looked at it as almost I wasn't up in arms about it because he grabbed the face mask and it was more of like an ode to Elton Jenkins signifying he's arrived as an elite offensive guard. You know what I mean? Like that game was the biggest game of his career up until that point and he huh, maybe not that. He was in the NFC Championship game a year prior, but you know yeah, what I mean? He's but he, I mean he Donald caused extreme emotional frustration for he, the best guy in the, the league. Yeah. But this this year, he strangled Lucas Patrick with a a Emperor Sith like the the Emperor from the D- Star Wars yes. that grip that he yeah. does when he's doing the electricity. He basically pinched yeah. his Adam's apple. Yeah, he gave Lucas Patrick's Adam's apple the Wuju finger lock <laughs> yeah. from Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> yeah, like he got it just with his two fingers, and he was just strangling Lucas Patrick with his two fingers, and he got fined ten thousand. Three hundred dollars. That'll show um, him. Well, what bothers that me, extra three hundred? Yeah. What bothers me about it is apparently in the league's eyes, Lucas Patrick's esophagus is only worth about three hundred dollars more than Elton Jenkins' face mask. Well, and that's what bothers if me. If you want to break it. it down even more, how much did um, CD Lamb get fined for not having his shirt tucked in? I I didn't. I think it was much more than ten thousand three hundred dollars, and they value CD Lamb's shirt being tucked in more than his Adam's apple. Well, it goes to show you that Aaron Donald is completely protected by the NFL. He's a 99 overall. He's a 99 overall Madden. He's a, a first ballot Hall of Fame defensive lineman. So, yeah, they obviously aren't going to really give him a hard time all that often. Yeah, they won't give him the year in jail he deserves. Very, <laughs> well, I, would, I wouldn't go that far, but I think Lucas Patrick could have easily gotten more in a settlement <laughs> in civil court over the uh, strangulation that occurred, but... Uh, yeah, it's just hilarious to me that, and this is the tenth time in Aaron Donald's career he's been fined after a game for being frustrated, irrational freakouts. And it just seems like what Aaron Donald probably hasn't had more than ten bad games in his career. So it seems as if every time he plays bad, an offensive lineman's in danger. Seriously, he must be saying some vulgar things <laughs> oh. during those the right before leading up to these freakouts. He must be <laughs> under his breath saying such Seriously. angry. Sh- Imagine how scary it must be to be an offensive lineman who's playing better than Aaron Donald that day, <laughs> and like how, the things you must be. It must be so bizarre because you're dominating this guy, but on the, at the same horrified. time, yeah, you're horrified, and he's like intimidating you in every possible aspect of yeah, you're life. Only dominating him because your fight or flight. <laughs> but it's just crazy to me that. It, $300 more for the esophagus of Lucas Patrick. It really is disrespectful to LP. And honestly, the way the production crew handled the action on the field, like you only saw Aaron Donald choking Lucas Patrick for about a half of a second on the screen. Like it could not have bounced off the screen quicker. They must have hit the cough button on the eight second delay they have to blur out middle fingers and whatnot. <laughs> but seriously, it was. Ridiculous, but I'm glad some justice has been served on Lucas Patrick's behalf. And I wonder if the weekly cheese TikTok that uh, got several thousand views and a couple shares there had anything to do with the verdict. Perhaps oh, the internet. I think the, P, yeah, the NFLPA's office, I think they used yeah, that. The, the weekly cheese's post generated too much traction on the <laughs> internet and they had no choice but to lay they were trying line. to push it under the sweeping under yeah, the rug but they just simply to... couldn't anymore <laughs> but seriously good for finally justice has been served and that is a small victory on the bye week for the green and gold
So let's talk a little bit about where the Packers currently sit coming out of the bye 13 weeks into this NFL season. Right now the Packers are 9-3. and three. Uh, They have the s- second best record in the NFC right behind the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, but luckily they do hold the tiebreaker with the Cardinals since we handed them the biz earlier this season. So with that being said, I think the Packers are right in line to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. If the Cardinals lose one more game, the Green Bay Packers hold that number one seed in the NFC for the second straight year, and that means the only bye. They can lose just one more game. That's it? They only have to lose one more game? The Cardinals. They just have to lose one more game. And the Packers are scot-free, basically, as Mm -hmm. well. Do they have to keep winning? They have to keep winning. Can they lose? No. The Packers can't lose? No, they need to have the same amount of losses as the Cardinals to end the year. Okay. All right. Um, Because the Cardinals only have two losses right now. Okay. One of which being? The Packers. To the Pack. And And I think the Packers beat them, and they're much better than they were when they beat them. Yeah, but they didn't even have Devontae Adams that Not that it matters, but. Devontae was out that week, so, I mean, they did it, and and they got the job done, and that was obviously Rasul clinching it there, but. And this week, the Packers can clinch the NFC North and a playoff berth um, by beating the Bears on Sunday night. And all of us out here in Packer Nation need to be pulling for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If and when the Steelers beat the Vikings and the Packers decimate the Bears, the Packers will be, once again, NFC North champions and have their spot secured in the playoffs early with many games to play in the regular season. Uh, And in my opinion, that's exactly what's going to happen. The Packers are going to, maybe not this week, because there's a chance the Vikings can beat the Steelers. Obviously, the Steelers aren't great this season. There's reports that Thielen might not be ready to go on Sunday, which would be great. And who knows what's going on in that Vikings locker room after that loss to Detroit. They could have all given up right then and there and started planning vacations because... Losing on Sunday ends their season. And I would say the Steelers are motivated for what it's they worth. Are, they are. You know, they don't want to see Ben go down like that. Not even that. Mike Tomlin doesn't lose. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of he course. Ne- but his team's never they're roll over. They're playing for the – they don't want to see their boy Ben Roethlisberger losing yeah, and no. losing and crying, upset, Ben. Oh, I ben. mean, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I've had my fair share of jabs at Big Ben <laughs> over the past. but Who hasn't? It is tough to see him struggling in of there. Of course and it, it was is. nice to see him crying with joy after that win, but, again, we are far from a Steelers podcast here. No, absolutely not. We're Big just ben, rooting remember for them this the Super Bowl in 2010. Remember the Super Bowl in 2010, Big Ben, but go out there and take care of business against Minnesota on Sunday. But, yeah, the Packers, in my opinion, are the best team in the NFL, especially when you consider all the injuries that they have suffered this season I mean in their last loss to the Minnesota Vikings they were without the most starters in the league and clearly they are amongst the most injury riddled teams this season and they're still are dominating with just three losses and considering the fact that three all pros are still rumored to return especially after Zadarius posted that cryptic Instagram <laughs> post earlier uh late later last week earlier this week uh, he has to be up to he has to be up to no good because he posts that Instagram photo and then we see him on the sideline we touched on this last week but he was looking like now that he posts that he was looking mysterious on the sideline yeah and he was in the locker room a couple weeks ago making fun of Preston Smith's bobblehead or the action figure so he's been around he's been joking around with the boys and he certainly seems like a man ri- Getting ready to return here. Uh, and in that photo he posted, Jair Alexander was in the picture too, uh, leading people to believe that Jair could be making a return as well sometime in the near future. And then, of course, David Bakhtiari. All three of these gentlemen could be returning within the next couple of weeks for the Packers. And if you think about it, with those three guys returning, the Packers are clearly the best team in the NFL. Let's just go one by one with starting with David Bakhtiari. I mean, the countdown to Bach ended 
six weeks ago here yeah, on the I've Weekly been, Cheese. Listen, I have been waiting for this man to yeah. run out onto the field, Joe, and I feel like the, the countdown to Bach has just existed forever. Well, it technically ended long ago when he was activated to the to the roster from the IR. But since that point, we've every week, week in and week out, we've been asking, where is Bach? Where is Bach? Unfortunately, Aaron got on McAfee yesterday, and he said he wouldn't expect Bach this week, but he did hint at a Bach potential return within the next couple of weeks. He kind of made it seem like that. He did a standard Aaron Rodgers, yeah. maybe, maybe well, not. Based ordeal. on LaFleur's press conference and the way he was talking at his press conference, I think they may be downplaying it and then we'll have a big return because, you know, LaFleur mentioned it as well. He was like, ah, oh, we'll see, man. You know what I'm talking about. So Yeah, and having David Bakhtiari back um, playing at a high level just would make life so much easier for this Packers offense. It, it's it's a miracle that they've been as productive as they have been, considering everything going on along the f- offensive line since training camp. I mean, the big story out of training camp was the battle for the guard positions, and then obviously the rookie center coming in. Uh, he was hurt. We'll get, talk about Josh Myers a little more once we break down the rookies this year, but He's been out for quite some time. Lucas Patrick has been playing center for weeks now. Uh, you got John Runyon Jr. at the left guard spot. Obviously, Elton Jenkins was playing left tackle all year long until he went down with the ACL injury a few weeks ago. Um, so once Bach does come back, it's still going to be Newman and Runyon in there. So it's not going to be the exact offensive line we all hope for coming into the year. But getting Bach back will be a huge weight off of everyone's shoulders. He yeah. does so much in the pass game. He does so much in the run game, especially for Aaron Jones, getting him off tackle and running outside. So Bach's presence has been missed. And, yeah, hey, Yash Nyman has done a great job in his absence. That's absolutely and true. The fact that Brian Gutenkunst, for years now, even when I've been most oh, upset God. with Brian Gutenkunst, I have always said the man can fix up an offensive line. And what they have going on there is like an endless factory of starters. Uh, seriously, the fact that y- the Packers can lose two, st- three starting offensive linemen and still be in the position they are is remarkable. And hopefully when David Bakhtiari comes back, the offense just clicks into that gear that has been missing all season and that's red zone and third down dominance Um, because up until recently when we've been facing a little more third and shorts and being able to just barrel through them with A.J. Dillon the third down conversion situational football the red zone it's all been lacking this year and getting Bach back should be 100% an answer for that 100% Um, moving on to Jair Alexander I mean my god the fact that the Packers' defense is playing so well with both Jair and Sedarius out is crazy in itself. Crazy. And who would have ever thought? But Jair Alexander coming back to this team um, is a must if they have a hope of getting through the NFC. I mean, he... He is, takes away half the field. He's the best corner in football. Last year, Pro Football Focus named him the number one corner in the league. Just over 40% completion percentage when opposing quarterbacks are throwing his way. Um, And if he could come back this season and the Packers can just have Russell Douglas and Eric Stokes, who knows what they'll do with them. They're both playing phenomenal football right now. But rotating opposite of Jair Alexander, uh, this secondary is going to be a force to be reckoned with. It's going to be nasty. They're already within the top four defenses in the NFL in terms of intercepting the football and that's without Jair Alexander on the field considering he shuts down half the field and basically makes a quarterback only throw one way um, turnovers galore if Jair could come back and play well which he obviously will he's not going to come back if he's not Fully feeling ready good, yeah. and feeling good. He's been out long enough at this long point. Enough. He might as well and, just stay out longer. He's yes. holding it down in his absence. Yes. But his his being out there is it, it's 
It's of invaluable. the utmost importance. And you, you can make an argument it's more important than Zadarius because the pass rush has been good. It has been good. Exactly, the, yeah. The secondary has been good as well. It's just that's obviously, in, in my opinion, the weakest part of the defense because they, you know, they let some of those guys squirt through sometimes or whatever, but that half the field, it'll open up. I mean, Amos can get a little looser. Darnell doesn't have to be as responsible back there. So Yeah, Jair Alexander just brings so much security back there, and he's been missed, no doubt. And the, what they've been able to do with him being out and Kevin King, I mean, so inconsistent with his availability, it's remarkable. But obviously, hoping to get Jair back sometime soon. And then Zadarius. Um, obviously... The Green Bay Packers miss Zadarius. 100%, yes. He, for the past two years, has been the best pass rusher on the team. In 2019, he put together one of the best pass rushing seasons in Packers history. And that was much in, due in part because Preston Smith was also on fire in 2019. But even last year, when Preston Smith's play was down, Zadarius Smith was still a pro bowler. Um, so... He's been missed, and you're right when you say Jair's absence is probably missed a little more than just Zedaris's. a little more, not by a large margin. Just because the pass rush has been so good for the yes. Packers this year, uh, but that's a testament to the way Rashawn Gary has been playing. Uh, Rashawn Gary has finally broken out. It took him about two years to do so. I say, and I've been on record saying that Week Ten of last year against the Jacksonville Jaguars was when, J- when Rashawn Gary arrived to the National Football League. He had two sacks on the game-winning drive for the defense there against Jacksonville. And since that point, he's been a force to be reckoned with. But this season, he leads the team in pressures. Um, he has, I believe, seven sacks this season. Uh, and adding Zadarius Smith back to this pass rush with the way Rashawn's playing, Preston's playing, and the interior is getting after it um, – <laughs> It's, it's not just, just adding depth. About. Like normally, people would just be adding depth. They're excited to have some depth. It's adding like elite. It's adding an elite depth pass because rusher. okay, Zadarius comes back if he scoots Rashan down on the depth chart or Preston down on the They'd depth chart. All be on the Who field cares? Together. Who cares? They'd be all be on the field together. We saw it at times last year when Zadarius was sort of rushing from the A gap and from the interior a little more, and that seemed to have some success in the Penton system. And the way Joe Barry has just been utilizing the personnel to the best of their abilities, I'm excited to see how he'll implement Zadarius Smith into the game plan. I mean, if you look at the way he's utilizing Preston Smith this season, it's it's obvious why Preston is playing better. Last year, at this point of the season, I believe Preston Smith dropped back in coverage upwards of 70 times. What? Yeah, Mike Pettin had Preston Smith dropping back in coverage all the time last year, and it was infuriating to watch but this year I could probably count on my hand the amount of times I've seen Preston Smith drop back in coverage he's he's dropped in coverage 25 times this year all right but that is significantly less than the 70 some odd times he was in coverage 13 weeks into the season last year uh and that's just a testament to Joe Barry utilizing the players to their best of their abilities and getting Zadarius back in that mix obviously can only benefit the squad, I mean, and the fact that we, the Packers could have three All-Pros returning within the next couple of weeks solidifies my belief that they will be earning home field advantage, the first round bye, and the number one seed in the NFC going into the playoffs. So now, Chris, let's take a little bit of time here and just discuss the the rookies of the 2021 season and how they've all fared up until this point, how they've looked, and uh, yeah, just the general thoughts and and feelings on on how the rookies are doing up until this point. Because, and obviously, we'll start first and foremost with the first round draft pick, and that is cornerback Eric Stokes. I mean, through the first 12 games of this season, Eric Stokes has proven to be a great addition to this defense. Um, and he was worth every every bit of a first-round pick. I would say he's important to the defense he's at this point. extremely important. The defense would not be playing nearly as well if Eric Stokes was not on the field. I mean, he's played a whopping 623 snaps this season. Um, and in those snaps, he seems calm, composed, 
which is impressive for a rookie, especially when you look at the individual matchups that he's had over the first 12 games of this season. Uh, basically starting with Jair Alexander being sidelined and, and then Kevin King shortly after. Eric Stokes was quickly thrusted into the cornerback one position, matching up with each team's number one weapon week in and week out. And it started week four against the Bengals uh, with Jamar Chase. And then after that, he had Allen Robinson against the Bears. Terry McLaurin kind of matched up with DeAndre Hopkins. When DeAndre Hopkins was on the field, he was basically playing part-time snaps that night. Then Tyreek Hill, Tyler Lockett. He got an equal dose of Thielen and Jefferson against the Vikings. And then Odell Beckham. He has not gone up against easy matchups. It's a who's who of receivers. Career. He's gone up hey, against some guarded? of the best in the NFL. And considering he's gone up against these names, he's done very well for himself. He's been targeted 68 times this season, giving up just 35 catches. And he leads the team with 11 pass breakups. Um, that's not to say he's flawless. He obviously has some weaknesses and made some rookie mistakes. Um, I would say his biggest weakness, from what I could tell, is knowing where the ball is in the air um, when he is being targeted down the field and deep. There's been numerous occasions this year where Stokes is defending a guy and staying with him in terms of uh, – the speed and, and stride for stride, but he fails to turn around to make a play on the ball. Uh, just in the last game alone against the L.A. Rams, I remember the one throw to Odell Beckham along the right sideline where Eric Stokes didn't turn around and he's just lucky the ball was overthrown or, or OBJ ran a shallow route or something. There was a miscommunication there and the ball was not on target. And then the second time, the first time in that game where it happened, he got super lucky. It was on that little trick play they did with Cooper Cup throwing the touchdown pass, and Von Jefferson just couldn't stay in bounds. But Eric Stokes did not turn around and seemed to have any clue where the ball was. But with that being said, with that happening over and over again, usually when that happens, corners pick up PIs. And luckily, he's only had picked up three penalties this season. So although he's getting beat sometimes and really doesn't seem to know where the ball is at in the air, <laughs> he obviously is, is fast enough to make up for getting beat initially at the line of scrimmage. And his 4.2 speed is on display every single week, even against Jamar Chase and Tyler, Tyler Lockett. Hill. Tyler, Tyler yeah. Lockett. He's going up against these burners and, and obviously has no problem keeping up with them with his impressive speed. And overall... Couldn't be happier with the way Eric Stokes is performing out there. Um, and he's only going to get better as he gets experience. I mean, he was drafted, be basically considered being a raw piece of clay. Like yeah. he, he was just a raw athlete who still needed to really learn how to play corner. And considering he's played 623 snaps this season, he's getting better week in and week He out. hasn't even really played with Jair yet no, either. So he, limited. Who knows how much they've been on the practice field together. And Yeah, exactly. I think, I think things will just look way different. Yeah, once he's not matched up with their number one receiver week in and week out, and Jair's taking that responsibility, life's going to get easier for Eric Stokes, and he's going to just continue to improve. So hats off to Goot for the pick, and Eric Stokes – Wish you nothing but the best moving forward and continued success. Um, second round draft pick, Josh Myers. Unfortunately, his rookie campaign has really been derailed by injuries. But when he was in there, he, he seems to be a reliable pass blocker. Has room to improve while blocking for the run. But all in all, the Packers are hoping he's the long-term starter. And he seems to have the ability to be the long-term starter. He's only taken 261 snaps this season, uh, and he's been available for five games. He did need to get surgery on his knee, and it reports this week have – there's rumblings that he's not ready to return just yet. And uh, at this point, who knows whether or not he'll return this season. I have some thoughts about it, considering Lucas Patrick has played well in there and – Obviously, 
Josh Myers, he's five games under his belt. He's a rookie. Do you really want to go throw him in there off of an injury this late in the season? Uh, who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, but needless to say, in his little time out there, he has shown that he has the tools to be the Packers' long-term starter at the center position. And, I mean, he is a huge center. Huge. I think he's like six foot five. That's big so, for a center. Yeah, he, he he's a big boy, and, and he has talent. And hopefully these injuries are just minor road bumps in an early <laughs> career, and they don't become a a theme, a theme yeah. throughout his career. Um, but with that being said, a lot of promise there with Josh Myers. Amari Rogers, a third-round pick. Um, as we expected, Amari Rogers, he's going to need some time to get acclimated to the NFL. He's taken 62 snaps. Uh, and on offense, he's been productive with his limited opportunity. Four touches on the year, but he's accumulated 51 yards. That's pretty good for four touches. So he's showing promise there. And who knows as the season progresses if he will be utilized a little more. It seems like mainly when he's out there, he is a decoy. He's running some crazy pre-snap motion. <laughs> but the real concern about Amari Rogers is he's taken on the role of punt return and, and kick return with Kylan Hill being out and he's been very disappointing in both of these areas he's averaging just six yards per punt return and he has two fumbles and he has four kick returns this season and he's gained just 41 yards and a long of just 14 yards on the return uh, when he's the return man he seems tentative uh, he seems unsure when hitting holes, and he just seems to lack the explosiveness and, more importantly, the confidence and attitude needed to be a return man in the NFL. And I don't know how much longer the experiment can go on. We're getting late into the season here. Games right now are more valuable than ever, and God forbid he fumbles a punt in the playoffs. So oh, my God. The Packers need to – figure out they've already been having game losing almost or near game losing issues there's been due to special teams yeah, they can't have any more catastrophic issues on the special teams this season and uh, for many seasons now when talking about the punt return unit so things need to get cleaned up and i'm not sure if amari rogers has shown us enough through the first 12 games of the season to be considered the long-term solution for the punt returner um with that being said, I don't know who is, and I don't know if the long-term solution for punt return is on the roster right now, and that's what's concerning me. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Mo Drayton has his work cut out for him. He spoke a little about the self-scout that he uh, had to partake in during the bye, and all I could say is for the whole special teams unit, I hope that self-scout was uh, successful and productive. Yeah, they need it. Need they need it bad. Up. Um Moving on, we got Royce Newman, a rookie right guard, and he started every single game for the Green Bay Packers this season. And although it is obvious when he's out there that he is a rookie, he's doing a solid job overall, and he's shown promise and, and a willingness to improve week in and week out. And the hope is that as he gains a little more experience, these mistakes we're seeing will slow down in in how often they occur this season he's allowed 25 pressures and a team high five sacks um, and he's also picked up five penalties <laughs> with that being said he's also struggled mightily <laughs> as a run block let's not sugarcoat it Royce Newman hasn't been phenomenal this phenomenal season. he's a rookie um but he's shown some great moments. He plays extremely hard, and he has that greasy lineman hair that we love here at the Weekly Cheese, and we are in Royce Newman's corner 100%. Not to mention the fact that he has basically perhaps contributed the most to the overall morale of the offensive line with his implementation of the chicken slider totes. So, yeah, Royce Newman has brought a lot to the table this year. And with Elton Jenkins being out for the remainder of the season, 
chances are even with David Bakhtiari re-entering the lineup, Royce Newman is still going to be in there as the right guard. So, hey, all we could hope for is Royce Newman continues to get better. Um, and yeah, he, he, he continues to improve like he has all season long. And he's done a solid job in there. And the Packers offensive line has not lost any games for them this far so far this season with maybe an exception being the Chiefs game but also they didn't have Aaron Rodgers in yeah. there adjusting the the protection forms and and really running the show there so even though Royce Newman has struggled a little bit he's done all right all things considered obviously Kylan Hill the seventh round pick he impressed everyone this season with his explosiveness and the mentality he has shown. Um, and he clearly earned his spot as running back three on the team throughout training camp. And this season, he became a fan favorite as a kick returner. I mean, he returned 10 kickoffs this year for 199 yards, a long of 41. And unfortunately, he's out for the year. He suffered that knee injury. And he'll be back sometime next season. But, yeah, my heart goes out to him. He was really putting together a good rookie campaign. Yeah, he looked like the guy that could have been the – He did. The he punt did. returner, he kick returner. He to be the solution as the return man. And him going down was a big blow to this team. Uh, and the Packers, I know, are very high on Kylan Hill. The fan base has embraced him. And, again, he seems to have that mentality – that all great return men do, and that it's just that swagger, that that fearlessness. Well, if you want to talk, but that's probably, and not in a bad way, but that's probably what got him hurt. He fielded that punt right on the two, and with his head up, he was looking to make that cut, and unfortunately, be more that right. guy recklessly flew in there. But you couldn't be more right. He he got hurt as a, a result of his fearlessness. Yeah, but that's not and a bad. That's thing, not though. a knock against. No, the guy. definitely he, not. That's just showing the. The difference in mindset between him and what I believe Amari Rodgers has, which is a guy who's a little ambivalent about making a cut. And yeah. instead of getting hurt due to the fact he's making a cut when he shouldn't be because he believes he could hit the hole and win the win the play, he's getting hurt maybe because he's hitting a hole timidly yeah, and unsure about it. And yeah, exactly. That's a whole different issue. We saw it with Koski for the Rams. <laughs> I know. On the on the Rams recap, I I highlighted how their return man Koski was very timid with the ball, and it, it resulted in a fumble and potentially his career being over. <laughs> but yeah, Amari Rogers got to clean it up, and Hart goes out to Kylan Hill. But both of the, these guys are promising, and the Packers have high hopes for both of them moving forward. But I want to talk about who I believe is the most intriguing rookie of them all. And that is fifth-round pick defensive lineman T.J. Slayton out of Florida. Six foot three, 330 pounds. T.J. Slayton has a combination of both size and athleticism that is very rare, even in the NFL. Um, and he's shown multiple times this season that, that he is a playmaker on the interior of that defensive line. This year, T.J. Slayton played, has played in 145 total snaps. And in those snaps, he has shown that he is a lot to handle in the trenches and can wreak havoc when both rushing the quarterback but also stopping the run. This year, in his limited action, he has five total pressures, two sacks, 11 total tackles, four of which being defensive stops, and a blocked field goal, the first blocked field goal in many, many years for well, the Green Bay Packers. Usually when there's a field goal blocked, it's one of the little end, the smaller end guys that get around. I guess not. Sometimes they push him back, but it's crazy to see a big man get one. TJ Slayton wreaking havoc this year when he's in there. And the big thing for Slayton uh, like that gentleman for the Georgia Bulldogs that Chris started to talk <laughs> Miles about Davis. at the start of the show, is TJ Slayton needs to develop his gas tank a little more in order to become an interior lineman that could play at that high level consistently every single down. 
uh, a la Kenny Clark. Um, but really, if he does develop into that type of player and can get his conditioning to that level and an understanding of the playbook and all that stuff, I mean, TJ Slayton could very well end up being an all-time steal in the fifth round. I mean, when you look at his size, explosiveness, and his short burst speed, like, the guy is a physical specimen, and it really just comes down to that gas tank. And, I mean, think about it. If he could develop into a an every-down sort of interior lineman, think about what he'll bring to this defense alongside Kenny Clark. Oh, yeah. I good mean, luck running up the middle. Oh, good luck running up the middle and good luck opposing quarterbacks. Kenny Clark already pushes the interior, that like wins the push at the line every single play. If you add another guy in there and take away the double team from Kenny, they're going to be unstoppable. And yeah, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves and that still a lot needs to transpire between now and then to get TJ to that point. But mark my words right now when I say down the line into this deep playoff run, you're going to see TJ Slayton on the field and he's going to be making plays. Yes. He, as it gets colder and, and teams need to reach deep into that defensive unit and on that line and get their reserves in there, I mean, you're going to see TJ Slayton making big plays for this Packers defense. I can already tell. I feel it. And, and, again, might be getting a little carried away, but I think he's going to end up being a huge steal as a fifth-round pick and easily the most intriguing rookie in my eyes. And, yeah, you know I do have an affinity for the defensive tackle slot. I say it all the time. It's my favorite position in football. But T.J. Slayton, I have high hopes for him. And now, the moment I'm sure everyone out there was all waiting for, uh, when it was announced at the top of the hour here on the Weekly Cheese. But it's the first ever, going to become a trend here every year, but it's the first ever bi-week awards. The Weekly Cheese bi-week awards. Uh, Chris and I are each going to give out three awards. Uh, offensive MVP, defensive MVP, and the biggest difference maker, the X Factor, if you will. You know, Difference Maker Award, X Factor Award, whatever you want to refer to it as. Those will be the three awards we give out. And, uh, Chris, you want to start it off with the off your offensive MVP for sure, the season? Sure, sure, yes. This is the most important award that carries no prize in history. And my offensive MVP for the 2021-2022 season... The... the the bye, the bye week, until, the bye week. Sorry, yeah. the bye week up for the twenty. The yes, this isn't for the full. Season. That's what I meant to say. That's what I meant. It slipped my mind. At the end of season awards, we do have the right to change. Yes. Change. This is bye week bye MVP. Week. I don't think this will catch anybody off guard, but he gives me no other choice. Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams has seven hundred more total yards than the next man, which is Randall Cobb. He also has fifty-three first downs. And he averages 100 yards a game. I mean, Devontae Adams is easily my offensive MVP. You could argue a couple other guys, but he carries so much weight and does so much for this offense. You kind of almost take him for granted, in my opinion. It's like you don't know what you have until it's gone because this guy is Mr. Consistency. Devontae Adams, my offensive MVP. Hey. It's tough to argue against that, and nor w I will not even dare to try to argue against that. What I'll just say about that is, uh, Chris, Packer Nation does not take Devontae Adams for granted, and we fear that some in the organization may. Um, so you make a great point. It, it, do not take Devontae Adams for granted. Absolutely Whoever might not. listen up there in the... Uh, General manager's office, perhaps Brian Gutenkunst himself, um, do not take Devontae Adams for granted. He is clearly the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, he is ob obviously a great candidate for the weekly cheese bi-week award for offensive MVP. But if you think about it, and yeah, it rarely ever gets talked about because the position he plays and 
I believe he should be the offensive player of the year this year. But there's an argument that Devontae Adams can be the NFL MVP. Oh, yes. And he could have been in years past as well. What he does for this offense is unmatched. He he clearly, this offense goes as far as Devontae Adams goes. And it doesn't seem to matter who he is matched up with. We saw it just right before the bye when he took on quote-unquote, the best quarter in the league, Jalen Ramsey. He is just dominant, and I clearly see why you chose him as your bi-week offensive MVP in the first ever Weekly Cheese Awards. But with that being said, excuse me as I clear my throat, with that being said, I have to give the nod my bi-week MVP for the offense is Aaron Rodgers, okay? Aaron Rodgers is putting together yet another MVP-type season. He is the quarterback of the best team in the National Football League. He has almost 3,000 yards on the season, 23 passing touchdowns, just four interceptions. And when you take a look at just how the offense looked, the one week Aaron Rodgers was not on the field, how the Packers' offense was just allowing a blitz every single time. There was rarely any adjustments made, uh, and things just could not go without Aaron Rodgers under center. Easily the worst offensive performance we've seen in years that game against the Chiefs. It's clear that Aaron Rodgers is the most valuable player to this offense. I mean, it should come to no as no surprise. He's not just the bye week MVP. Aaron Rodgers is the most valuable player in the NFL. He does more for this Packers team than any other quarterback does for their team. You see it with the Cardinals right now. The Cardinals are without Kyler Murray for a couple weeks, and, and Colt McCoy is able to go in there and win games for them. It's a system thing. It's what they got around them. Aaron Rodgers isn't in there for one week. And everything falls apart. The offense stalls just nine points. So it's clear Aaron Rodgers is my offensive MVP. I believe he should be the MVP of the NFL. He does so much for this team that it's even hard to fathom. Um, and, yeah. Everyone knows out. Everyone out there knows I love Aaron Rodgers, and he is forever going to be my vote. No matter when the word, the letters MVP are brought up, I will vouch for my guy, Aaron Rodgers. But let's move on to the defensive MVP. I'll go first for this one. My defensive MVP is none other than Rashawn Gary. There's a lot of people that come to my mind when I think about defensive MVP. I was very close to choosing Kenny Clark for the bye week defensive MVP. But when you look at it, Rashawn Gary is the difference maker for this defensive unit. The The energy and effort that he plays with, it, it's clear as day. It, it's palpable. You see it. And he is a top five pass rusher in the NFL right now. He has 50 total pressures on the year, 12 quarterback hits, a career-high seven sacks, 17 stops, 17 solo tackles. The guy is just everywhere out there. And it's not just when rushing the passer. He also does a tremendous job at setting the edge when stopping a run. If you take a look and just watch Rashawn Gary on run stops this year, the man sets the edge better than maybe any edge rusher in the league. He is a man on the mission week in and week out. He plays with so much heart. And, yeah. I love what he's doing out there this year, and this defense would not be nearly as successful without Rashawn Gary, especially with Zadarius Smith being out. They were about with, without their best pass rusher, and they were looking for an answer to get after the, the quarterback this year. And Rashawn Gary has answered that call with in flying with flying colors. So, hundred percent. Rashawn Gary is my defensive MVP. Rashawn, congratulations. Yeah, Joe. All right. On that same token. My defensive MVP, a position I thought was the weakest coming into this season. There was clearly a hole in the defense last year at this position, but a man who has just played unexplainably well, Devondre Campbell. 
100 total tackles. Well, 99 total tackles. He needs one more to set him over the three-digit mark. He's got two forced fumbles, two interceptions, a sack, and four tackles for a loss. Uh, he's really holding that linebacking core down. To be quite honest, I don't even remember the, the guys who would start for them last year because they played so uh, underwhelmingly, I would say. And he's came in, he's made his name known, and I'd say he's one of the best free agent signings the Packers could have had that at, at the position this year. You could be more right about that. Uh, obviously, Devondre Campbell, what he's done, I call him the savior. Um, <laughs> last year, and for many years now, the Packers, there's been complaints about the play of the middle linebacker position. Yeah, they had Blake Martinez, but even when we had Blake Martinez, I mean, he wasn't the best in coverage, uh, and he got a lot of tackles, and he was obviously better than what the Packers had available to them last season. Last season, the middle linebacker position was clearly the weakest group on the team, and coming into the year, it was something I felt the Packers needed to address, and they didn't do it in the draft. Uh, for the past two years, they didn't do it for the draft, and, and coming into this year, they signed Devondre Campbell, uh, and he has been nothing short of spectacular for them this year, and I could clearly see why you chose him for the defensive MVP. Uh, yeah. He is the savior, and he he has been phenomenal, and being there has allowed Chris Barnes, who was the primary starter for the Packers last year, to kind of fill a role that he's more comfortable with. He doesn't have to be the Mike linebacker, doesn't need to call the defense, and he doesn't need to be the man in that room. He could take a back seat to a savvy veteran, and we've seen his level of play rise because of it. Chris Barnes is putting together a great year, and it's due to the fact he's kind of in a secondary role there in the middle middle linebacker room. So Devondre Campbell has risen the play of the entire defense, and you couldn't be more right about it, Chris. Um, and bringing up Devondre Campbell and the biggest difference maker award, the X Factor award, I was really thinking about naming him as my biggest difference maker just because of how much he has impacted the team uh, single-handedly with his presence. But unfortunately, I, I could not give him that award either due to the fact that Rasul Douglas exists on this Packers team. And what Rasul Douglas has done for this defense um, is the biggest difference this year. Um, with Jair Alexander getting hurt early week four, um, and then Kevin King being inexplicably uh, unavailable for long stretches. <laughs> and inconsistent. Of season, and inconsistent, but unavailable is the biggest knock against Kevin King this year. It seems like every couple weeks he's popping up and missing a game for an injury that we were not even aware of being around. And with that being said, against the Bears in week five, it was, or week six, right after that Cincinnati Bengals game, the Packers were in trouble in the cornerback room. They had Eric Stokes starting, and opposite of him was Isaac Yadam. He was the next man up in the rotation. The Packers have just signed Russell Douglas off the Cardinals practice squad. And on the Bears' first drive of the game, they targeted Yadam. He got beat deep once, then gave up a pass interference penalty, then he gave up a touchdown all in a row on hasn't the first field, Bears drive. Hasn't seen the field since. And he hasn't seen the field since because Rasul Douglas immediately went in there for him, and he's made the most of his opportunity. He's been playing tremendous football since he has stepped in, and it's resulted in two interceptions, one of which winning the game against his former team in the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, while the Cardinals were about to win the game on a two-minute drill there, they were in the red zone, and he picked Kyler Murray off in, in the end zone. Everyone remembers it. It was epic. And then just their last game against the Rams with a pick six to all but get the Larravee dagger in the third quarter. <laughs> I mean, Russell Douglas has been tremendous. He's only allowing a 66 passer rating when he's targeted this year. And he has two picks, a pick six, 10 stops, a forced fumble, and 35 tackles. The guy is just unreal. He's been playing unreal football, and for that reason, the fact that he was a midseason acquisition and has made such impact plays 
in pivotal moments this season for the Packers. He is my biggest difference maker, and he's won that award for me uh, at the bye week in the first ever Weekly Cheese Bye Week Awards. He is the X Factor. Congratulations, Russell Douglas. We'll bring it back to the other side of the ball for mine, Joe. I think may, some people may see this one coming as well, but I have Quadzilla, the snowplow, whatever you want to call him, A.J. Dillon, biggest difference maker in my opinion, and I have a couple different reasons for that. You know, he picks up a couple yards every carry. We harp on that every podcast. Uh, he's a reliable guy receiving now. He blocks. But now he he hosts and welcomes a healthy fully energized Aaron Jones, who's a $40 million back, let's not forget, to come back end of the season off his MCL sprain and not have as much of the load, not risk aggravation of the knee anymore, and you have a fully healthy best duo in the backfield in the NFL, best backfield, I should say, in the NFL. A.J. Dillon, biggest different maker. He has been a huge difference maker for this team. He seems to be the closer. Even when Aaron Jones is healthy, come the fourth quarter, when the Packers need to control the ball, roll A.J. Dillon out there. And I'm happy Matt LaFleur seems to have figured out that on third and one or on the goal line, all you need to do is get the ball that to guy A.J. Through, Dillon. Yes. I don't think there should be a one-yard situation where A.J. Dillon doesn't touch the ball for the remainder of the year. I don't care if the entire defense knows it. Let them know that A.J. Dillon's getting the ball there, and there's nothing they could do about it. Let them realize that because yeah. that's – demoralizing for a defense and we've seen A.J. Dillon demoralize a couple of defensive units this season against Seattle he did it and against the Rams he did it just to name the two that jump off of my mind when I think about A.J. Dillon domination so you could be more right he is a difference maker and you bring up his nickname uh, Quadzilla and the snowplow I've been trying to uh since I believe he is such a weapon in one yard and short yard situations I like to call A.J. Dillon the yardstick. The yardstick. The yardstick. He's the oh. human yardstick, man. All right. Let's get He's that going. Forget what I want... said before that. The no, yardstick. No, cool one, but I, let's just also get the, the yardstick going out there in Packer Nation because that's a cool nickname. The yardstick. You heard it here, Cheeseheads. Yes, get it going. Did. Yes, you did. And, hey, those six gentlemen have the honor of being uh, shouted out and rewarded in the first ever weekly cheese by week awards. Yes, let's see where it stands at the end of the season as well. I can I can see AJ Dillon winning an end of the season award again because of the cold weather coming. I could see Devontae obviously being in there again. Aaron, we w- shall see. Well, the end of season award ceremony is going to be a little more elaborate. Oh, it'll of be course. it'll be a little more in depth banquet style, if you will, where <laughs> there will be a lot of awards given out um, for. Guys that wouldn't typically be uh, awarded. There's gonna be, it's gonna be like the uh, Dundies from from the Office, Michael Scott's Dunder Mifflin Awards. <laughs> it's gonna be like the Dundies. It's, we're gonna give out a whole array of awards and shout out guys for their hard work all season long. But hopefully that's coming after we celebrate a Super Bowl championship. Uh, there's a lot to go in this season, and who knows where. Will be when it's time for the end of season awards, but I hope all the listeners out there enjoyed this nice little bi week segment, the first ever bi week awards. And just a few more notes here before we conclude this bi week edition of the weekly cheese. Uh, a couple of uh, just, just things to note uh, Aaron Jones has been nominated for With the Walter brother. Payton Man of the Year Award. For his brother's foundation, right? Yeah, for the A&A All of the Way Foundation, where Aaron Jones and his brother um, help out the youth in their communities. They do things for um, children of military families. They they do bike give-outs, um, education in, uh, initiatives, fitness and well wellness initiatives. And they just give back to their communities. And it's a nice cause. Aaron Jones really could not be a better human being. Uh, There's a reason the Packers gave him the $40 million contract. It wasn't just because he's an electrifying running back, which he is, but I believe it had a lot to do with the type of human being Aaron Jones is. He's the type of guy you want in your building, and he could not be more um, 
deserving of the honor of being nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year, and I hope he wins the award because I can't think of a man who's more deserving than Aaron Jones. He's a class act. He does so much uh, in terms of giving back to the community, and shouts, shouts out to Aaron Jones for being this year's nominee for the Walt, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. I know it's a big award in the NFL, um, and maybe if he wins it, he will deliver a Russell Wilson-type a monologue of his own because that stole the show at last year's award ceremony and it would be nice to see Russ, uh, Aaron Jones receive <laughs> that that primetime spotlight. Um, and Devondre Campbell, some Devondre Campbell news to round out the show. Uh, he has been activated off the COVID list and he will be returning to the team Friday, which is great news for the Packers. It's going to be good to have Devondre Campbell back in action on Sunday and and yeah he, he did not miss any time with his COVID reserve status it came at the perfect time during the bye week and uh, luckily Devondre Campbell will not be missing any time with his COVID and and it's good to know that he's feeling better and he's no longer feeling any symptoms of the COVID virus um, and we'll discuss what that means for the defense as well as everything you all need to know going into Sunday night's matchup against the Aaron Rodgers-owned Chicago Bears during Saturday's pregame preview right here on the Weekly Cheese. Keep an eye out for that sometime Saturday. Uh, the, the Packer preview, the pregame preview, where we'll be discussing everything Packers-Bears. Uh, the final matchup between these two teams for the season. And... Uh, I have no doubts that the Packers will be leaving that game victorious. Uh, until then, as always, remember, the cheese stands alone. Chris, anything you want to say before we head out of here? Vote for Aaron Jones, Walter Payton Man of the Year. Hey, yeah, let's uh, get his... Uh, Can we even vote? Is it a I'm fan voted thing? I'm not entirely sure if it is. <laughs> hey, let's just pretend it is. Vote for Aaron Jones. Hey, if it is, you better vote for him. And uh, hey, as always, remember, again... The cheese stands alone. We'll talk to you all on Saturday, everyone. Peace. Come on, pack green and gold. Time to win.